0: Navigate the journey to becoming a great lawyer with expert guidance on topics that range from trial skills to corner office management. Here you will learn how to tap into your potential for legal greatness. I'm Andrew Smiley, and this is The Mentor, ESQ. Today, we're gonna talk about powerful opening statements. I use the word powerful purposely, Because it is important when you're starting off the trial to give a powerful opening statement, to set the tone, to set the stage for your case. It's going to be the first time that the jury really gets to hear from you about your case. And it's important that you set the tone right from the outset. Before we get into the details of how to prepare and perform and conduct an opening statement, it's important to talk about public speaking in general. Because when you're going to get up and speak in front of a judge or speak in front of a jury or speak in front of a room full of lawyers or students or anyone that you're presenting something to, you need to feel comfortable so that you give the best presentation as possible. Not everybody's a natural speaker. Uh, Some people are much more comfortable getting up and talking in front of others, Uh, some shy away from it. But everyone can learn how to be a good public speaker. It's a matter of practice and preparation. And so let's talk about that. One of the things that you commonly hear people say about public speaking is, don't worry, just picture everybody in the audience to be naked. I don't know where that came from, but I think that's really bad advice. That is not what I would recommend that you do. And I would never uh, think of doing that because that would throw you off and you'd be laughing and your mind would start to wander. And that is the last thing you want to be doing when giving an opening statement. So what you really want to do is be prepared and think about the things that make you nervous about speaking in public so that you can mitigate that. You can prepare in a way that you won't be nervous. I'm going to give you an example. When I think about public speaking and I think about what makes me nervous is primarily two things. The first is that I'm not prepared. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. The second is that I lose my train of thought and either go blank in front of a room full of people or stumble on what I'm talking about. So there's ways that I manage that so that I don't have these fears and I feel comfortable speaking in front of others. So what I do is, first of all, I always make sure to be prepared. You never wanna wing it. You never wanna get up in a room full of people, say, oh, I know what I'm gonna talk about. I've done this a million times. I'm just gonna get up there and talk about it and just see how it goes or see how the crowd reacts and go from there. You never wanna wing it because that's where you run into a risk. If you draw a blank, you don't know where to turn to. So you need to prepare, you need to prepare an outline. A simple outline of bullet points. I have one here with me today that you can look down to and it can direct you to the sections of whatever it is you're talking about and trigger your mind. Oh, we're going to talk now about fear in public speaking. I have a note that says fear circled on my outline. I have a note that says no winging it. Uh, These are things that I can quickly look down to. It'll trigger that concept in my mind. So I'm always prepared and the outline will follow along with what the topics will be discussed. So that mitigates my fear of being unprepared. Then when I'm worried that I'm going to stumble or draw a blank or not know what to say, I have that outline. Not only am I prepared with what to say, but I can look down. It's It's a safety net. Think of walking on a high wire. You never want to walk on the high wire up high without the net underneath because as skilled as you are at walking across that wire, you could always fall. So you want to have that safety net underneath. An outline is a safety net. And nine times out of 10, when I'm giving an opening statement or a summation, I don't even have to look at the outline once. Because I prepared so much, and you'll see the level of preparation that goes into it that you usually don't even need to look down to your outline. But it happens. And if you draw a blank, if I'm giving a presentation to a big room, if I'm giving an opening statement to a jury, if I'm giving a closing argument or summation, and I happen to just draw a blank and I'm in the middle of talking and my outline's over at my desk, I'll take a pause, I'll walk over, I'll drink a sip of water, take a quick look down at my outline turn around and get back into it. And nobody has any idea that you've drawn a blank. So what you need to do is think about what makes you nervous speaking in public, what your fears are, and then just take the steps to mitigate those fears and to prepare. And with a level of preparation, uh, you will feel much more comfortable. You won't be as nervous and you'll be able to uh, deliver a speech to people uh, in a public setting and in front of you. Now, what you also want to do is you want to practice. You want to practice speaking to other people. And it only needs to be one person sitting across from you or uh, in a social setting. If you're out to dinner with friends or family and it's a table of five or six people, or you're at home in your living room with friends, wherever it may be, in a classroom setting, take those opportunities to just talk, to just have all eyes on you while you're speaking and just get comfortable making eye contact and talking out loud to people. If you're the type of person that's very quiet and reserved and sits and listens and doesn't like to be the one talking, then it's important that you take those steps and just practice speaking. You can also practice your presentation to other people. It's fine to practice in the shower or talk to yourself. I do that all the time in my level of preparation, but it's also good to deliver your presentation to your friends or family or spouse. My wife has suffered through many years of me practicing the starts of my opening statement or my summation, and I'll deliver certain themes or lines. I want to see what she thinks of it. So it's really great to have somebody to balance things off of. That's going to help you with your public speaking eye contact. Eye contact is really important. It's important when you're speaking to a room full of people or a jury or a judge that you take the time to make a connection. What I like to do if I'm facing a jury box of six to 12 people and I'm talking to them in a opening statement or summation is I will pause will take time to look at each person in the eye while I'm saying something, make sure they see me and then move on to the next person. You never want to look too much at one person because that'll probably make them feel uncomfortable, but it's important you make the eye contact. If you're looking down and reading, if you're just sort of talking out to, to, the, to the back of the room and not really looking at people, they're not going to be as engaged. And I find that when you make that connection with eye contact, it'll be a much more engaging presentation. Podiums. I try and stay away from podiums. Generally, when you're in a courtroom, there will be a podium before you start a trial, before a jury is called in. It is certainly appropriate and I recommend that you ask the judge if you are free to move from the podium or if the judge requires you to stay at the podium. Uh, Some strict judges may say, no, don't move the podium. Most judges will say, oh, counsel, you know, move around the well the well is the area in between where the lawyers sit at the table and the judge and the jury box it's sort of that open floor area when you see the movies and you see the, the trial lawyers giving the big closing arguments and they're pacing back and forth in front of the jury that's the well most judges will say oh counsel feel free to move around the well Some may say, but when you're doing your direct exam and your cross exam, stay at the podium. So just follow their lead. I generally will always move a podium out of the way. And when I'm giving an opening or a summation, I will move around. I tend to be expressive. I like to use my hands. I like to move a little bit. I like to use my body to demonstrate things. For example, if I'm saying, you know, the person should have looked both ways, I'll turn my head Uh, I've had cases involving a personal trainer negligence where they're doing an exercise and lifting weights, and I'll demonstrate that with my arms. I find it's really good to be demonstrative and to move around a little bit, not too much. You don't want to be distracting. So get the podiums out of the way. So how do you prepare an opening statement? Many people think that being a good trial lawyer is just a gift and you can get up and look how good that person is. They come into a courtroom, they watch something on TV and wow, that lawyer is just smart and can talk. And how does he or she remember all of these things to talk about and deliver it so well? What's not seen is the preparation behind the scenes. There's a lot of preparation. Any skilled trial lawyer you see in a courtroom Giving an opening, a direct examination, a cross, or a summation uh, will have put a very high level of preparation into that in advance. That's what makes it look so good and flawless in the courtroom. So you need to take time to prepare. When I'm getting ready for a trial and I'm preparing my opening statement, I like to find a quiet place. I like to get out of my office because there's so much distraction there. If I'm sitting at my desk, the phone's ringing. I'm getting emails. People are coming in and out, asking me questions. So I'll get out of the office. Usually I'll try and go home uh, and find a spot at home where no one's around. I'll ask everybody, leave me alone, turn the phone off, find a quiet place, sit down with the file and a legal pad and a pen. I like different colored pens. I use a black and blue and a red, so black or blue and a red pen and start writing things out and there's a method to the structure of an opening statement that i'm going to give you right now and i'll make it available uh, in the notes that go along with this podcast so that you can refer to it but generally all opening statements should have a set structure that you can follow and i'm going to give you this structure right now and you can do it whether you're on the plaintiff side whether you're on the defendant side And for my presentation to you today uh, in this podcast, I'm going to use a civil case. My background is in personal injury law. So I'm going to talk from the plaintiff's perspective, how I would give an opening statement. And that format can be used uh, also in criminal cases. I'll tell you when you switch from talking about what we call liability to talk about the elements of the crime that you have to prove. But this is the general format you want to follow. Number one, you want to have an introduction. Always have an introduction. I'm going to give you, by the way, this outline, and then we'll go into each one specifically. Number one is the introduction. Number two is the theme. Number three is your client's background. Number four is the events leading up to the accident in a personal injury case, or if it's a criminal matter, it would be the events leading up to the crime that's being uh, charged. Then number five is going to be the accident itself or the... Big issue in your trial, the crime, the event. Number six is when you transition and say, but this never should have happened, but for, in my cases, I say, this accident never should have happened, but for the negligence of the defendant. Okay, that's your transition. Then you say why they were negligent. That's going to be number seven, that the defendant is liable. For example, in an automobile case, you're going to say, there's my client, This is you've given the theme, you tell about the client, you talk about that day, how it started. They got in the car, they're driving along this road, and then boom, this crash happens. And then you say, it never should have happened, but for the negligence of the defendant who's driving that automobile. And then you're talking about why they were negligent, why they should be held liable. And at that point, you'll transition to say, they weren't paying attention, they ran a red light, they were speeding. You talk about that. Then you switch into damages, that's number eight. And damages is really what's resulted. As a result of their negligence, here's what my client has suffered. Here are the injuries they've sustained physically, mentally, financially. And that's how you transition into damages. And then lastly, number nine is you're going to close it up. Uh, You're going to finish your opening statement, do a conclusion, and talk about how you'll see them again review everything in your closing argument, and you can give a little preview of the trial ahead. So that's generally the structure you're going to follow. So let's get into first the introduction. I have the same introduction that I give in every jury trial that I've ever tried, and I will always do it. And it goes like this. Good afternoon. Or good morning. May it please the court, Judge Smith, counsel, Members of the jury, my name is Andrew Smiley, and I represent the plaintiff, Samantha Jones. That is always my introduction. I do the may it please the court. I comment on the judge, comment to defense counsel, say good morning to the members of the jury or good afternoon, introduce myself, and I introduce my client. Always, always, always. And it's important that you do an introduction and that you practice your introduction Because that will make you feel very comfortable starting off the trial, that you don't get up there and you don't freeze. You're not a deer in the headlights. You're ready to start your presentation. It's something you've done over and over. You've rehearsed it. You have it under control. And it's a good way to start it off. So you start with the introduction. Always have an introduction. And then you get into your theme. Now, different cases can have different themes. I like having a theme. A theme such as, if you see something, do something. That's a theme I had in a case where my client was hit by a subway train. Uh, I'll, t- I'll use that, this case as an example for, uh, for this uh, podcast. I represented a young man who was out drinking and went to go take the subway home. And he passed out and fell asleep while standing on the uh, platform. And he fell onto the tracks and he woke up in the hospital a month later. It turns out that he was lying on the tracks uh, late at night. He was wearing black clothes. The subway was approaching to the station. The conductor looked, thought he saw garbage on the tracks, didn't think it was a big deal. As he got closer, he saw my client move and threw on the brakes, but by then it was too late, ran over my client and took off his leg. And my theme for this case was, if you see something, do something. And the reason I picked that theme is here in New York City, there's been a slogan in the subway system for a long time that says, uh, if you see something, say something. And it's for safety. Uh, There's signs everywhere. They give announcements. If you see something, say something. For example, if you see an unattended duffel bag on the platform and no one's around it, you're supposed to tell a conductor that you see that it's suspicious. If you see something strange happening, you're supposed to alert the transit authority personnel. If you see something, say something. So I tweet that and I said, if you see something, do something, knowing that the theory of my whole case was going to be that the subway conductor saw something on the tracks, didn't know what it was, thought it might be garbage, but didn't do anything until it was too late before hitting the brakes. So the theme was, if you see something, do something. So my opening statement in that case started off, I got up, I did my intro, may it please the court, then I pause, I look at the jury and I said, if you see something, do something. If you see something, do something. That's what this case is about. And then the jury's sitting there, like, okay, that's kind of interesting. What's that all about? But it's a theme. You deliver it slowly, you say it once or twice to the jury, it gets them wondering. So now you've Locked in your theme, you've locked in your intro, you're off to a good start. You have no notes, you're standing in front of the jury, your outline is just sitting right back by your water at the council table, ready for you in case you draw a blank or don't know what's going on next. So you got to come up with a theme. That's part of what your outline is. And when you're in this quiet place preparing your opening statement, which I'll tell you later, ends up really being your summation as well with just all the evidence slided in to your outline. When you're writing it out, you want to write out this outline. And it's fine to hand write out. I will sometimes. I'll write, may it please the court. It's a way for my mind to help me get things going. I'll write out theme and I'll put in big letters. If you see something, do something. Then I'll go to the next step where I talk about a brief overview of the case. And then I get into my client's background. Now, the brief overview is generally just to let them know why they're there. So in the train accident case, I would, after my theme of, if you see something, do something, say, members of the jury, you're going to learn that in this case, my client was run over by a subway train and it never had to happen. The only reason it happened is because the train operator failed to do what he was trained to do, failed to take action. He saw something, but he did nothing. He failed to do what he was supposed to do. And as a result of that, my client lost his leg something like that, just a little brief interview. Then you go into your client's background. You'll get to meet Mr. So-and-so. You'll learn that he's a graduate of such-and-such college, and then you go into the client's background. So in your outline, you're going to have your intro, your theme, brief overview, and then you'll do some bullet points of what you want to talk about about your client, generally enough to give the jury an idea of where this person's from, what their education level is, different things that are, you may want to highlight, uh, a father, uh, a college student, uh, a physician, um, whatever interesting background that you think a jury could relate to. You always want to try and find something that a jury can relate to. You'll know from jury selection, or if you haven't been able to pick your own jury, uh, you can at least get information about your jurors. You may find out that juror number two is a mother of two and enjoys cycling. So if your client happens to be an avid cyclist, that's something you're going to say, you'll get to meet so-and-so, you'll learn, he went to college, uh, he's an avid cyclist. You want to throw out these tidbits that can automatically start to connect the jury to your client, all right? So you're going to write all these things out in the outline. You could do bullet points, and there's nothing wrong with actually writing things out. I've written paragraphs out that of things I want to talk about. It's a process. This is the process that you go through. It doesn't mean when you get up to do your opening statement that you're going to read what you've written out. Uh, In fact, you're not. And that first draft that I'm talking about with your pad and pen uh, is probably going to go out the window and then you'll, you'll fine tune it a little bit. But writing things out, sort of your free flow of what's in your mind of what you want to talk about is a really good way to prepare. And then you can take bullet points pick up the red pen when you want to, and the red pen you'll use to highlight things, to jump out at you from the outline. I like writing things in big letters, boxes around them. If you were to look at my outline now, let me see if I can show it to you. This is my outline I'm looking at here, and I have things uh, with boxes and circles and little notes written off. And these are just things for me when I'm looking down, it's highlighting parts of my outline that I wanna make sure that I speak with you about in this podcast. Practice delivering your opening statement in sections. First, make sure you have your introduction down. Then practice your theme. Then do your introduction and then your theme together in one flow without looking at your notes. Then have the brief overview you're gonna practice. Then practice the brief overview, stacking it onto the intro and the theme. This section building is a technique that I have used in public speaking in openings and summations where you're really just staggering sections of your outline, building blocks. You lock one down, you know what you want to say. You transition to the next section, you know what you want to say. And if you can practice those sections and knowing what comes after the other, Then by the time you get up to deliver your speech or opening or summation to other people or a jury, you can actually picture the outline that you've worked so hard on. And in my mind, I actually know where I am on the page. I can visualize it. I know which section I'm at and I can build those blocks. So practice sections, practice building blocks. The other thing I want to talk about when you're working on your outline is humanizing your client. And this is something that when you're talking about the background of your client, let's say you're the defense lawyer in this case, and you're defending the person that's being sued or the corporation or company that's being sued. It's important that you humanize that person so it's not the big, bad defendant, but you're saying, hey, wait a second, you know, here, listen to the person who's being sued. They have a story too. They're a father, you know, they're a cyclist. They care about people. So it's important to humanize them. One thing that I find that defense lawyers that I face in general fail to do is they fail to put the amount of uh, time in to humanize their client, to talk about their side more. They're, instead of uh, being proactive about their case and their client, they're more reactive to what I do. So when you're the plaintiff and you're giving your opening statement, you're going through the outline, you're going through your section, you're talking about all these things the damages, what your client has sustained. And each one of these topics I can devote an entire podcast to. This opening statement uh, podcast is generally an overview for opening statements. But you want to connect with the jury. You want them to hear you and listen to you. And the only way they're going to do that is if you're making eye contact, you humanize your client, you humanize the case, and you really explain everything to them. Now, it can take some time to do this. Some people ask, how long should an opening statement generally be? Judges in particular are liking to move their cases along. Counsel, uh, you've got five minutes, 10 minutes for your opening statement, or they'll try and limit you, which they're really not allowed to do. Or they'll ask you, and many people say, just keep it short and sweet. You're not allowed to get into evidence in particular. So just give a brief overview and let the facts speak. I disagree with that. I think it's important to give a detailed opening statement take the time, my opening statements will generally be be about a half an hour or so. And you're the first time that you have a jury sitting there, they've gone through jury duty and jury selection and they've been waiting and waiting and finally they're sitting there, it's like going to the movies and the curtain opens and the previews end and they're ready for the show to begin and you come out there to give your opening statement, this is probably the best attention you're gonna get from them. They're not tired, they're not bored of you, they're not sick of the case already. You have to take advantage of that. And especially as the plaintiff's lawyer, when you're the first person to speak, plaintiffs go first. You have the rapt attention. You can control the stage from the outset. And you have to take advantage of that. I take such good advantage of it that by the time I usually sit down for my opening statement, defense counsel gets up and says something like, oh, well, Mr. Smiley was very eloquent or he gave a very nice uh, opening statement. But None of that matters because you haven't heard anything at the trial yet, and you just listen to the evidence and pay attention, and they're usually too short and too fast, and then they sit down. And that's a horrible way to start it off. You shouldn't be talking about me, but because I've started the case and I've started putting the framework of this trial, I have an advantage that way. I like to say, if you want the jury to see pink as the trial, that it's pink in color, you have to give them a pink lens right up front. So when they're looking through it, everything's pink. If you're giving the proper opening statement, you're setting up the case, the issues, the framework of what you want to talk about first, and the jury will hear that and tend to believe it. And don't don't oversell. Only say things that you feel the evidence will show and prove. Tell them things to be on the lookout for, strengths in your case. Pay attention when, when I question the driver of that subway car, in cross-examination. And specifically, I'm going to want you to pay attention at that time to what he says he did when he saw something and how far away he was when he first saw something. You know, give him a little preview, because when you get up to do your cross-examination, you can't turn to the jury and say, hey, pay extra attention to these questions now. So you want to use your opening statement for that. You want to highlight your strengths. In your opening statement, if you have weaknesses in your case that you know are going to come out, you may wanna bring those out before your adversary does. If you happen to know that your client was convicted of a crime before, and you know that's coming in, and you know your adversary is gonna bring it out, you may wanna say that in opening statement. You sandwich it in a little and say, listen, by the way, I need to tell you something you're gonna hear, and I wanna be upfront about this. But you'll learn that this is what happened with my client, and and you, you defuse it. In my subway case, my client was intoxicated. So I had to deal with that issue and I dealt with it in jury selection. I said, listen, any of you feel that just because he was intoxicated, the driver of this train can also be at fault? Do you feel that once he's intoxicated, he should lose and he should bear the responsibility for everything? So I dealt with it in jury selection, but then again, in opening, I dealt with it. And I said, listen, you're going to hear he's intoxicated, but people fall onto subway tracks for various reasons. They can get pushed. They can have a seizure. They may be intoxicated. They can slip and fall. It doesn't matter why he's there. The train operator has a separate obligation and duty to make sure that he doesn't run somebody over. It's not like if someone falls on the tracks from a seizure, he has to stop. But if someone's on the tracks because they were drunk, he can run them over. It doesn't give them a free pass. So that was a, a weakness in my case that I had to bring out an opening statement. So identify your strengths, identify your weaknesses, and make sure you do that. It's important how you present yourself. Dress nicely and neatly. Dress appropriately. If you're a man, you wear a suit and a tie. Wear your nice suit on opening days. Uh, For ladies, you also want to dress appropriately. You don't want to put too much jewelry on. You don't want to to do anything that's going to be too distracting to a juror. You don't want to draw too much attention to yourself, but you want to look nice. You want to look professional. You want to look clean and put together, not disheveled. I see some lawyers showing up and their shirts hanging out and their ties askew. And it's just a bad way to represent a client, regardless of which side you're on. Make sure your counsel table is neat. You always want to have everything organized in little piles and have your pens set up. Don't have the paper strewn everywhere. Make sure you're neat and you're organized. Take your wallets and your items out of your pockets and your change. Make sure you're buttoned up if you're wearing a suit. Take pens out of your hands. Leave them down. I hate when people talk with pens in their hands uh, or their hands in their pockets and jiggling change. No distractions. Dress nice. Have crisp movements when you move around the courtroom. Show that you're comfortable. Show that you are commanding that courtroom. That's how you deliver a powerful opening statement and show you belong there. Because if you start off the trial that way, the jury's gonna say, wow. This guy uh, or gal uh, knows what he or she is doing and they're going to put credibility into your case right at the outset because of that. If you deliver it in the right way, prepared and professionally. It's important to get off to a strong start. I can't highlight that enough because that will set the tone for the rest of your case. And that's the way you do it. You prepare You practice, and then you deliver. Now, at the end of your opening statement, a big mistake many lawyers make is they're so happy to be done, have gotten through everything, they just go and they like sit down, or they put their head down, or they walk off, or they go check their notes, and then they say, oh, I'm all done, and they sit down. You have to start strong with your intro and your theme and your eye contact, and you have to finish strong. In any public speaking engagement, speaking to a room, speaking to a jury, an opening or summation, at the end of the opening, you'll give your theme again. So you've gone through your checklist of all the items. Then you say your theme. Remember, members of the jury, if you see something, do something. You pause. You make some eye contact. You say, thank you. Then you turn around and you go and you sit down. Pull in your chair and you sit straight up. And then it's time for your adversary to go. And that's how you deliver a powerful opening statement. And with the proper practice and the proper preparation, uh, anybody can deliver a good opening statement. And like I said, if something comes up or you uh, lose your train of thought, your outline's there, you've been prepared, it's what it's there for, and uh, you'll be off to to a great case. Then what will happen is uh, you'll hear in another podcast where we talk about summations, is at the end of the case, after you've done your opening, your direct exam, your cross-examinations, when it's time to do your summation, you really can go back to your opening outline. And instead of all these things that you're saying, you will learn about these facts, you will hear from this witness, you then insert the actual evidence, the testimony that came out, the photographs and documents that went into evidence, And you'll use that outline from your opening to be a very similar outline for your summation with just adding in and summarizing and pointing out to the evidence and the testimony in your closing argument. So you'll be ready to go. But in essence, what you're doing is is you're looking at the whole trial. You're preparing everything. So the opening is really setting the stage for the testimony that's to come and then for your summation at the end. So hopefully you've picked up some pointers here. Uh, If you've Practice trial law for a while and you've already tried lots of cases, maybe you picked up something new that can help you. If you've never tried a case before, I'm confident that what we talked about today will get you started and off on the right foot and you'll have a great start to your trial. And you can always reach out to me. I love helping people get prepared for trial and you can email me or call me. My contact information is in the description notes for the podcast. And I wish you luck on uh, delivering your powerful opening statement. I thank you for listening to this episode of The Mentor ESQ. And if you enjoyed it and found it educational and uh, valuable, please share it with your classmates or colleagues. I'd appreciate it if you'd give us a good rating or a review. And please forward this podcast to those who might enjoy it. You can contact me, like I said, at any time to discuss your case or to ask any question. I look forward to hearing from you. I am Andrew Smiley, and this is The Mentor, ESQ.